This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I'm here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great too. So if you listened or did not listen to our previous episode, I did mention that Fallon and I have, and I did mention this before, so we announced uh, that all the sins will be ending by the end of this month. Uh, the last episode will be aired on May 31st. Um, we gave our reasonings back in the last episode. Basically, our focus is on work-life balance, and we take that very seriously. So this is just the best path for the both of us. We still love each other. We still love all of you. So nothing, nothing to do with that. And I am going to plug two projects that I'm doing as I did before. I am not leaving our sinners hanging. Uh, I am launching a sister podcast with a new host. Her name is Jess. And this is going to be called All the Sins Worldwide. So podcast. this podcast is going to be dedicated to Wisconsin cases still. We're going to stay true to our roots. However, we're going to broaden our horizons and cover cases from all corners of the world. And I'm also launching another podcast that will be available June 12th. And it's called Pass- Gra- I'm sorry, Passive Aggressive Income. And it's for anybody who is interested in passive income, entrepreneurship, small business mindsets. Uh, we're going to be on the air with Lexi Starr. She's going, she's my co-host and we're going to be interviewing local business owners and talking about our personal journeys and finding our ways in passive income. So if you're interested in that, those are my two projects that I have cooking. Awesome. Very exciting. Thank you. All right. Today, I am talking about a case that just recently happened in Jackson County. It is a very crazy case. So are you ready for it? How crazy are we talking? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Not like like gory, but just like wild. I am. People think that they can do things that they do. Oh, I'm strapping in. Okay. All right, so we're going to go back to March 9th of this year, 2023. And on this date, Star Myers calls and reports that she hasn't seen her boyfriend for two days. 
and she's very concerned. She said, I haven't seen him since Tuesday afternoon. I left the house for a few hours. I come back and he's gone. And it seems like he had taken his wallet, his phone, and his earpiece with him. Hmm. But she said it would be odd for him to get picked up by somebody. And it's odd for him to not communicate with her. So she said she didn't want to report him missing right away on Tuesday because she didn't want to be dramatic. Right. So she gave him two days just in case, you know, for whatever reason, he needed some space and was going to come home. Mm -hmm. She did add in that she was supposed to be going to prison on March 11th and that her boyfriend was pretty upset about that. But she didn't believe he was suicidal or anything. So then the deputy asks the normal question, can I come in and look around? Mm -hmm. And Star agrees, but reluctantly. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. So the deputy said the house appeared tidy, no sign of a struggle. He's like, everything seems pretty normal here besides Star herself. Mm. So... And she pointed out to the detective or to the deputy that there was a mug of coffee on the counter. He's like, I gave this to him before I left on Tuesday. And like, you just left it on the counter. I don't That just seemed bizarre to me. Yeah. You know, a cold cup of coffee. Like, why do you have a cold cup of coffee sitting on your counter for two days? Right. And like, to point it out, like, who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so the next day. Two other people, Charles Chuck Samples and Catherine Kathy Howerton, called Jackson County themselves and said they had information about this alleged missing person. Okay. They said Star had shot him in the head. Ooh. So now the deputy, Chief Deputy Adam Olson and Lieutenant Travis Brown, went out to their residence. So he's like, okay. We need to know what's going on here. I'm going to come out here and talk to you guys now. Mm-hmm. What your version of the story is. So Kathy says on Wednesday, March 8th, Star had called and asked Kathy to come and get her. Kathy said she was busy, so it was some time before she made it over there. Some A few hours, she didn't know exactly how long. And she said when she went to the residence, Star said that she wanted to put some of her items into storage before she left for prison that weekend. Because she had been sentenced to prison for three years of initial confinement and three years of extended supervision on a separate case out of Dunn County. Kathy said when she went over there, Star just didn't seem right. Something was off with her. And she asked her, like, what's up with you? And Star said, can you keep a secret? Mm, and of no course, <laughs> right. I'd be like, mm, I need to know more details before I agree to this. It's like when somebody says, "I'm, I want to tell you something, but don't be mad." It's like, bitch, don't do that. I'm already mad. I'm already mad. <laughs> I'm already mad. Know. I'm already mad because mm-hmm. you obviously knew whatever you did is going to piss me off. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So. Star just comes out with it. Because Kathy's like, of course. Of course I can keep a secret. 
Wrong mm-hmm. answer, Kathy. <laughs> well, maybe it was the right answer because now she knew and now she was like, well, I don't got to keep the secret. Like, Yeah, she's like, mm, yeah, I can keep a secret. And right. then she's like, psych. Right. Yeah. So as soon as she says, yes, I can keep your secret, Star is like, good, because I killed someone. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, if I called you, like, Hey, bitch, can you keep a secret? And you're like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I killed my boyfriend. You're like, like what the- why did I you don't... just tell me that? Now I'm, I'm in like, why office. are you on the phone with me? I don't know you. <laughs> right. I don't even know you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Nobody wants to hear about this. Nobody. So Star says she was giving her boyfriend a massage and that he just randomly started telling her about other women he had slept with. Mm. Not sure why he would do that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. But she said the next thing she knew, she put a bullet in his head. Ooh. Just for talking about women that he's been with before, I feel like she... I don't know. She's off. She's definitely off. Yeah, she just gets more off as we go. Oh, shit. Then she tells Cassie, I need to get rid of the body still. And then they call Charles. Okay. So then Charles comes to the house. And Charles walks into, like, a, a murder cleanup party. Because we have Star. Star's son, Jeffrey. And Jeffrey's girlfriend, Savannah, all at the house. You're not kidding. It definitely was no. a murder cleanup party. She, like, she, this was not a fucking secret. She told everyone she knows. She, like, how dumb? I, I don't know what her deal is. Wow. So Jeffrey told them, Jeffrey, the son, told them there was, in fact, the boyfriend laying dead in the bedroom. Charles said that Star was really off. She was talking to the air and holding a gun while she explained all this stuff to them. And then she told him and Kathy, I need you guys to get rid of the gun. And handed him a firearm. He told the police that when she gave him the gun, it was already disassembled. But the other witnesses were like, no, because nobody in this story can keep a secret. Not one person. <laughs> this is like the worst group of criminals ever. They're it's all telling serious. everything. Yeah, they so all every detail of everything everyone said or did from the beginning. Yeah, I was just about to say they have the tea and they're all spilling it. Like left Yeah. The other witnesses said that Charles took the gun from her and placed it into a Kool-Aid pitcher of either bleach or some other kind of cleaning substance to soak the gun in. And then he took it and drove down the road throwing pieces of the gun out the window. And he said this was a 380 auto. So, and Kathy says, well, Charles is destroying this gun. Star was trying to get Kathy to pretend to be an alibi witness and say that Star had been at her house. And then Star stated that it was a botched robbery and she began collecting items from the residence to take to Kathy's residence. And then in the middle of all this, 
Star needed to attend her AODA appointment. Can't miss out on that. So she had Kathy take her to town to go to her appointment. So I'm sure you just go talk to your therapist. (laughs) So she came out of the appointment talking about how she's now suicidal. And Kathy still took her to get items from her residence. And then she brought Star home. I don't know what what's up with you, Kathy, but <laughs> this is not a normal friendship. No, no, this it's is just, a lot. A lot it's going giving on messy, here. like all sorts of mess, and from all sorts of directions. And I'm looking at you, Kathy. Yeah. So then Kathy and Charles said that Star was trying to figure out what to do with her boyfriend's body including cutting it up or burning it. Oh, my God. And she told them she could turn it off in her brain in order to accomplish whatever she needed to do. I bet you can, you psycho. Like, that is the definition of a psychopath. And if I would have heard that, my friend would have told me, well, I can just turn it off. I would have been like, I am moving to outer space Mm because this bitch is crazy. (laughs) That's why Kathy called the police because Kathy was scared. Okay. All right. So we're on the same page. Yeah. So then Kathy said on March 9th, she star called her and told her, yeah, well, I reported him missing now. And I told them I was with you. Oof. And Kathy was like, mm, but that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And then Kathy said she panicked and erased all records of any communication between her and star. Which I don't blame her. I would have been like, get this bitch out of my life, too. Yeah, but I that makes you look super guilty as well. And I would have been like, Mm -hmm. I here's everything. I am cooperating. I was doing that because who is put in this position like regularly and knows how to handle it? Like, I'm gonna do the right thing now. But instead she's just taking herself in a in a deeper hole. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know, but you can recover text messages and phone calls when you first erase them from these newer phones. They don't just disappear into the abyss. They're in a trash can on your phone. Everything can be, if it's put out there on the internet, if it's been sent out into the meta universe, it can be recovered. So let that be a lesson to everybody. Yep, pretty much. But Chief Olson did confirm that Kathy was telling the truth after he went through her phone. Then they talked to Charles, and Charles says that the victim and Star had a terrible relationship. He said Star had said flat out before, if he ever cheated on her, that she would just shoot him in the head and put him in a hole. Bro, like, that is such an abusive ugly relationship and I just feel so terrible for him yeah so then police were like okay let's try to ping his phone and see if we can figure out because his phone's missing right we can figure out where the phone is they can't find the phone but they did locate a handgun part in the area where Charles described discarding the parts so they found the slide for the 380 handgun somewhere where Charles told them that they could find it. And then from that, from there, with the testimony of Kathy and Charles and like evidence to corroborate they're telling the truth, 
they got a warrant for Star's residence. And they came to their house on the evening of March 10th and then some extra days after that. And they held the scene secure the whole time. So, like, once they issued the warrants on March 10th, they weren't allowed back in until they were done with it. Okay. At the time when they came to execute the warrant, there was five individuals in the house. Star's son, Jeffrey his girlfriend, Savannah, and then Matthew Simone, Vincent Simone, and Michael Peterson. Jeffrey exited the residence voluntarily after repeated commands. The other people refused to come out. Jeffrey's the only one that would come out. Like, they had to go in and remove them. So this is how I heard about the story originally. It was like, five people have been charged, human remains have been found. And that was, like, the headline for the story. And at first, the rest of the information didn't come out. So I was assuming it was, like, a drug overdose. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Then I was like, well, let me read some more about it. Like, oh, no. This is a whole crazy story. Wow. So, and Star wasn't in the residence. She has all these people in her house with all <laughs> of this going on. She is not there. Wow. So when they came in to do the search... They found red brown staining on the mattress in Star's room, which they assumed was blood. Mm-hmm. They found a circular saw blade and a straight blade consistent with a bone saw. They got a lock safe with a bolt action rifle, a sawed off double barrel 12 gauge shotgun without a serial number, Oof. several kinds of ammo, two digital scales. Um, a marriage license for Star and the victim. So I thought that was her boyfriend. So, but maybe they were married. Or it seemed like they're married. married. Yeah. And then there was a lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as you said scales, I'm like, oof. Yeah. So they had, they were all drug addicts is what it sounds like. So they mm-hmm. found some small plastic bags, some spoons with a white substance on them, digital scale with white powder. A butane torch, a rapid response fentanyl test strip, oh, a rubber God. container with a yellow wax substance, which tested positive for fentanyl, oh. um, a resealable bag with crystalline material, which tested positive for meth, and then another sandwich bag with white powder material, and that tested positive for cocaine, and that was 86.8 grams of cocaine. 24 and a half grams of meth and 18.9 grams of fentanyl. So this wasn't like a little bit that they were going to use themselves. Like there's obviously some drug trafficking going on. And when when you said drugs, you meant drugs, drugs. Like this isn't just like, you know, found a little weed here and there. This was like serious shit. Yeah. And that was all, um, these drugs have all been found in Jeff and Savannah's bedroom, the son and the girlfriend. Hmm. Another bag with meth, another bag with cocaine. Um, two boxes marked with Stardust Tahiba with eleven cartridges. Um, some other ammunition, some Vicodin pills, some oxycodone pills that all belong to the husband or boyfriend, the victim in this case. Some edibles, a handgun, a shotgun, a stolen shotgun, of course. Mm-hmm. A double barrel shotgun, which was cut off, which is illegal. Can't have sawed off shotguns. Mm-mm. 
And it just goes on and on with the drugs and phones and drug paraphernalia and drug residue. Like it's just never ending in Jeff and Savannah's room. They had a lot going on in there. Yeah. And then in the living room, there was a gun case on the speaker and they found a 22 caliber handgun, another nine millimeter handgun, a revolver. Um, of course, some mail sent to all of them. Um, some pipes, of course, because you need pipes when you have drugs. Mm-hmm. And then outside, they found an area where they appeared to have had a large bonfire, several burn barrels, items consistent with human remains, and later confirmed as such by a forensic anthropologist, including bone fragments, um, the victim's eyeglasses, and some screws with serial numbers, which seem to be the type of screws used in surgery on humans. And it's like the kind oh. that the victim had reportedly undergone. So I don't know if it's like in his knee or his hands or whatever. Okay. But they, they should be able to track those serial numbers too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So then when Star came in, she's like, I didn't know there was anything going on besides you thinking he was the missing person. And then she's like, do you think I did this? Yes, bitch. We do think you did this. Like, what? Delusion. The delusion. I know. Detective Karan told her that she was not in trouble. And she's like, oh, maybe I just watched too many cop shows. (laughs) She said, I really want to speak to them because I want to find my husband. And Star provided background information about him and the last time she claimed to have seen him. And she said she was really worried about his health. And she wanted the 50 years with him that he had promised her. So she was worried about his health problems. And she doesn't know if she could live without him. She also stated that she had been off meth for a couple of months and quitting was not as hard as she thought it would be. She also described herself as a lot of crazy. Well, she said it on me. <laughs> yeah, and prone to overreaction. That's Again. an understatement. Yeah. Yikes. She also said she told her attorney she did not know how she could report to prison the following day without knowing where the victim was. Honey. She was worried because the victim didn't hang around the best people, although she denied it was in relation to drug dealing. Like you? Yeah, you're the problem, Star. Wow. Star identified one of those friends as Milton Haskins, and another was his daughter, Sarah. It's like, yeah, I don't like him hanging out with his own daughter. He should be with me. (sighs) Yeah. She didn't know all the victim's friends or what he was doing because she would flip out since she liked to stay as close to the letter of the law as she could. Oh, is, is that what, so what she's talking about as she's going to prison the next day? Right. And you're literally a drug dealer. Like everything that's in your house is mm-hmm. what a drug dealer has. It's just yeah. baffling to me like that. She didn't think that they would put two and two together. Uh, yeah. Well, she described her relationship as very strong. She said she was faithful and loyal and the victim was patient and so tolerant of her. Yeah. 
She said her son, Jeffrey, and his fiance Savannah, lived with her, but she didn't care for Savannah very much because Savannah just stayed in her room. I, I don't know why Savannah would want to live with them. Savannah is his daughter? Savannah is the son's girlfriend. Well, fiance is the one oh. Star is calling him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Star said, if something had happened, Jeffrey and Savannah wouldn't have been able to hear it. I don't know why they can't hear. Oh, because her room was soundproofed. That's Weird. not creepy at all. Weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. Star said, if the victim would have wanted to kill her, nobody would have ever been able to hear it. Like, you are the killer. I don't like this at all. Like, this this whole thing is giving me such creeps, such chills. I don't like it. Yeah. And this just happened. Yeah, this just happened March 9th. Yeah, March 9th it was reported. So March 7th she did it. Well, Mm -hmm. allegedly. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah. So... She said they didn't keep any firearms in the house. Like, she just keeps lying and lying and lying. Mm -hmm. She said she was a qualified expert in guns from her time in the armed services, but she didn't know what a 9mm bullet looked like. Doesn't make any sense. I thought you were an expert, ma'am. And she denied that the victim had ever been unfaithful. But he always had bitches messaging him (laughs) and messaging her... Like, she said he needed people to need him, and she was too independent and did not ask for his help. So she, and she said he used these other women to see if she really trusted him. Like, this is just all so toxic. Yeah, this is not good at all. No. And then you mentioned drugs. Oh, yeah, and meth. She's like, oh, I stopped doing meth. But the thing about it is it forever changes your brain. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a long time for your brain to heal from that. It's not a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Exactly. While she was being interviewed, her son called and informed her that the police were there executing the search warrant. And they recommended that Jeffrey cooperate with the law enforcement demands. And she became very upset about because her son and her dogs were at home. And she said, okay, my the victim did have a lot of guns and some were stolen. And he does lots of bad things, but I don't know about them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she said, well, we use Life360. Could you just look at that and try to find him? And she said, you can't use, you can't review any of my other information, like text messages. And don't give my phone to the drug task force. Oh, wow. And then they're like, we're just trying to find him. And then she began to share information about his drug use, including that he uses meth and cocaine, but she didn't know if anybody in the drug world would be mad at him. Then she began to get angry and think that the police were ignoring the fact that her husband was missing because they wanted to do another drug bust. And then more than a few times, she said, so you think I killed my husband? Mm-hmm. And somehow it went from him being missing to her killing him. When she believed that he was okay, he was just missing. Yeah, like you just said it, lady. Nobody said that he was murdered. 
you said he was missing originally and now you just look like a crazy person yeah then charles gets interviewed again gives them more information about the gun and cleaning the gun and he said i've known star for a long time and she's not stable and he'd never seen her acting like this well i would hope not yikes and then the police are like okay we have these statements this lady's crazy but let's see what other information we can get so they go to this car shop across the street and they talk to the owner and he said he hasn't seen the victim in a few days and this is unusual because he's usually outside doing stuff. So he said the last time he saw or he had seen Jeffrey drive the vehicle that he'd only ever seen the victim drive. Now all of a sudden the son's driving it. And he said he also saw Jeffrey unload a 55-gallon drum and put it in the backyard of the residence. And Heiser, the owner of the auto shop, described this as an empty burn barrel. He stated that that night around 10 30 or 11 there was a big fire going on in the backyard of the residence and he showed the detective a photo from the business's security camera Ooh. He, said he didn't know what they were burning but noted that he had never seen them carry wood into the backyard to build a fire ooh, 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 ooh. the security footage showed that the fire started around 9 20 on march 8th and visible smoke was still going into the air the next morning at 8 He also located other video from March 8th, which shows an individual that the detective recognized from prior professional contacts as Milton Haskins going into the shadow of the residence, retrieving a red gas can and going back into the residence. Then they interviewed Jeffrey, and Jeffrey said he had no knowledge of the individuals who were in the residence with them at the time of the search. And he said that his mom had invited them over to help clean up some stuff in the shed. And that Jeffrey had gone to pick them up earlier, but he didn't know who they were. And he didn't want him or his girlfriend to be in trouble. And then when they ask him about the bonfire, he states it was just out of control. I can tell you that for sure. Um, They said they would find a shit ton of blankets that belonged to him. He said he went to Quick Trip to get diesel fuel for the fire and pumped $10 worth. He stated that there was a lot of garbage in the fire. He said he put the gas can in the burn barrel so that the puppy would not chew on it and left it there until whoever started the fire used it. And then he eventually admitted that his mom had been the one that started the fire. He said he wanted a bonfire with his mom before she went to prison and his mom had trash to burn so they had a fire. Like great mother-son bonding time, right? Oh my god. They're all so fucked up. Yeah. He stated that his mom told him that all the trash that was burned got put into a barrel. And then he said he wasn't outside while the fire was burning and it was so hot he could feel it from inside the house. Oh my God. And then he said he didn't know what happened to the victim, but he does know that he got pissed and stormed off at one point. So now he's going to go with the story of he just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying he doesn't know what happened or who, why the fire was going, that he was never out there. And he's like, now he's acting like his mom, like, you obviously think he's dead. Yes. Yeah. And then he said, 
like you already know what happened and our neighbor is an asshole and then banged his hand and his head on the table and he said honestly yeah he's probably dead that there that's what you wanted I love that they assume the victim role as soon as they know that they're on to them like they go into this well you're attacking me poor me entitled me even though allegedly you're the monsters and all this yeah but then he quickly went to just telling (laughs) he was like it was probably tuesday or wednesday and the victim was shot with a nine and then when he when asked who shot the victim he stated all he knew was that charles samples had the gun and then he started crying and saying he wanted his girlfriend yeah he said then he goes on to say he got woken up by his mom screaming for help like what the fuck i need your help and then he went to look in the room but his mom said that the victim was gone and he's like then he said to the police did you already know this did i just put my mom in jail now he feels bad because he just told them everything and told on his mom well yeah so he said his mom was rubbing the victim's shoulders and the victim was telling his mom how he was fucking this other bitch while she was in jail and other females as well. And he said his mom didn't want to hear any more of that because she loved him and was broken up about it. And sometimes people do things in anger. Oof. Not like that. And then they called Kathy and called Chuck and started making a plan to get rid of the body. Well... Now, obviously, Star has been charged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she is in jail. Mm-hmm. She's not getting out for a long time. No, she has to go through her court proceedings. She has been charged. Savannah has been charged. Jeffrey has been charged. Kathy? Charles, Charles and Kathy have not been charged at this point in time. Mm-hmm. The other people that refused to leave the house when they came for the search warrant have not been charged yet. Originally, it was reported that they had been charged with something in connection to the death, but it was later found out, like, all of that was done before they got there. They were just buying drugs, it sounds like. And they <laughs> haven't been charged, so maybe they're working with the police. Right. Hint, yeah, hint. Not, I looked them all up today, and none of them have been charged. So right now it's just Jeffrey for the drugs and aiding a felon. Savannah, the girlfriend, for aiding a felon. And then Star for drugs and homicide and hiding a corpse. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I feel like this is going to be a really dramatic trial. Yeah, especially just knowing the background that we know about Star and their lifestyle like there's still more that we don't know yeah I feel like a lot more is going to come out because like as time goes on Jeffrey tells more and more mm-hmm. like he went from not having anything to tell to being like yeah I've been selling drugs with my mom and <laughs> he's, he's doing a tell all all of a sudden yeah he'll probably need to like go on more or something right mm-hmm. So that is the story. I don't know the victim's name, but 
of Star Myers and her crazy story here. You did an excellent. Course, every, everything's alleged until she gets convicted. Right, even right. Though, We're gonna... Even though they even though they've all confessed. Right. We're gonna underline bold exclamation point the word alleged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I mean, as soon as that we know what is gonna happen with her trial we're gonna you know post that or do whatever if it yeah it'll probably take a while unless they really just like agree to a plea if they take it to a trial it's gonna be a while and that's a lot of evidence for them to go through and stuff that's very true yeah well you know you did a really great job and even though this just happened you brought everything to the table and I mean that that's crazy and your delivery was great so good job thank you yeah thanks well we love you tune in next week and the following week and like we mentioned before May 31st is our last episode so tune in (laughs) yeah tune in we love you guys love you bye bye All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love love you. you.